right, everybody, welcome in. It is Wednesday, February 16th, 9.44 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are excited to welcome on a special guest here on the Sons of Saturday. But we're going we're gonna to hold off for now because we do have to do an ad read for our friends at the Main Street Pharmacy. Yes, Dr. Jeremy Counts. Dr. Lord Jeremy Counts, King Jeremy of Blacksburg, loves this Blacksburg community more than anything and loves the Hokies more than anything. If you are currently going to, you know, the place with the W or the place with the C, the V and the S or, you know, any other type of massive corporation, you should stop right now and head on down to the Main Street Pharmacy, whether it's filling a prescription, getting a Gatorade from a rough night uh, at the... Where they go in Blacksburg these days? Sharkies at Sharkies. And even if you just want to go in there and say hi to Jeremy and buy a Sons of Saturday flag, head on down to the Main Street Pharmacy where you are not a number, you are a neighbor. Before we get into this Hokie Haiku, uh, we got Grayson Wimbish coming out in Los Angeles. We got Evan Hughes joining the podcast from... As they say up north, Syracuse, New York. And my name is Pat Finn, and uh, this should be a lot of fun. So we're going to do three hokey haikus, and then we'll uh, we'll see how Evan's doing up there. Uh, hopefully he has his mittens and a heavy jacket. The first hokey haiku is submitted by Kanye. Kihei is a bum. <laughs> Sean Padula block party. Airball all night long. That's a good haiku. That is. Crazy. Uh, second hooky IQ. What's up, Dad? Randito says, wrestling, hoops, softball, winning every game they play. Hokies best week ever, question mark? Joe Felton. Commonwealth Cup by Pry. That was six syllables. Castle guard, hokey, hokey, high. I think that was eight. <laughs> Make little brother cry. Six. All right, we're gonna we'll do a uh, we'll do a poetry lesson on the next one. Joe, <laughs> love the submission and love the rhymes. Love the rhymes, indeed. Um, haiku is five seven five, but participation is what matters here, and we're glad we got your haiku. Anywho, we're here with Evan Hughes. Evan, it is a pleasure. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. First of all, thanks to you. Thanks to G. Wim. Thanks to Billy Ray Mitchell, who uh, I absolutely love his motivational quotes that he gets me fired up each and every day about. But thanks to the three of you. Thanks for all that you guys do for Hokie Nation. You guys know how big of a fan I am of, of the pod. And, uh, you know, you talk about all the great things going on in tech athletics. We're recording this on Wednesday night. And just a couple hours ago, Virginia Tech lacrosse, I don't know if you guys saw, Knocked off 13th-ranked James Madison. Uh, the Hokies, this was their 19th time playing JMU, their first-ever win. JMU is a lacrosse powerhouse, 2018 national champs. So the big week and a half just continues on for Virginia Tech Athletics. Congratulations to Kristen Skyra, her first win as the head coach of Tech Lacrosse coming against JMU. Look That's at that. Buy, buy that lottery ticket now with Babcock. The Hokies – are rolling um evan happy to have you and for those who are uh initially or i guess for the first time getting acquainted with evan on the airwaves right now evan is the current voice of the virginia tech women's basketball and baseball teams currently is in the middle of a historic acc display from the ladies and evan we can't wait to have you calling all the baseball games at english field this spring to see more of that home run hammer and the dugout degenerates and everything uh, to come with hokey ball. But got to ask, what's the temperature up there in Syracuse? Great question. It was my first time ever uh, being in Syracuse. The app currently says that it is 45 degrees. I don't believe it. The low is 16. Maybe the high today was 45. I think it's definitely in the teens. The, the wind is the story here, guys. There are similarities between Blacksburg and Syracuse in the wind. If you took out the wind, think about how much better the wintertime would be in Blacksburg. The wind is the difference. 
So okay, so what's the what's the deal? The the wind is worse in Syracuse, you think, than it is than walking across the drill field on a February day in Blacksburg. The wind's twenty one miles an hour right now. Jeez. So I, I will I will say, I mean, maybe I'm here on the wrong day. I mean, gosh, I remember the first experience walking across the drill field on a February morning my freshman year. I, I might give the edge to Syracuse, uh, but there, there, there's a lot of similarities for sure. I mean, you get off the the plane and you you it just greets you right off the right on the tarmac. Brutal, absolutely <laughs> brutal. Evan Hughes, son of Kelly Hughes, former Virginia Tech soccer stud, uh, on a 1980s coached by Jerry Shanae, the legend, Coach Shanae. Uh, fun fact for those uh, listening at home: Evan's dad and my dad were teammates for Coach Shanae back in the 80s, the um, legendary squad. So uh, we're going to run it like this here. We're going to chat a little bit about your broadcasting experience so far in that you know first six to seven months at Tech. And then we could do a little bit of a merry-go-round the Merriman Center, as I like to say. And we'll do a quick little spark note snippet on what's happening in Hokie sports. Does that sound good to you, Mr. Hughes? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Perfect. So off the top, Jim Nance Award. Yep. Evan, you received the Jim Nance Award last year, which is presented to the best collegiate sports broadcaster in the nation. And, you know, we were actually there with you a couple of days after in the Outer Banks for Memorial Day. Got to celebrate with you after you won the award. But tell us about that experience as far as just actually receiving the award, getting to meet Jim Nance, hang out with uh, Mr. Nance, and uh, just anything else that was relevant from that incredible experience, I'm sure. Well, thank you, Pat. And, you know, it's it's fun to, to think back because it was it was the most exciting day of my life. It was surprising, but uh, I'm just, I feel really still like very humbled by it all. And, you know, you don't get into this profession to win awards, right? You get into broadcasting because you love to create relationships with athletes and coaches and, and tell stories over the air. But, you know, to win that award and to have Virginia Tech's name on the Jim Nance Award, it meant a great deal to me because when I was coming out of high school, you know, our, our comm program, it was a department and there wasn't a big sports influence. And, you know, when Bill Roth came back, my idol growing up, I just knew that it was the place for me. And he said, here's, here's the blueprint. Here's what we're going to do. And to come here for four years, to get so many great reps, to get to work with so many great people, to develop as a broadcaster, and then to win it for our sports media and analytics program. I know my name is on that award, but the most humbling thing was getting to win this for Tech and for the first trophy to come home to Blacksburg. I actually took the trophy on the first day that it got shipped, and I took it to the drill field. And I just took a picture there because, you know, I, I just I want Hokie Nation to know that – it's an award for everybody, and I think it's a great representation of our sports media analytics program, the School of Communication, what we're striving to be. I mean, Grayson, I know you can relate to this. I know we're an engineering school by, you know, that's what everyone knows us as. But, man, 10, 20 years from now, I want us to be an engineering, comma, communications school known around the country. And so it was, uh, it was amazing. It really was. And then getting to meet Jim was incredible and the nicest human being you could possibly imagine. And just uh, such a kind heart. My biggest takeaway was everyone knows Jim Nance is the nicest or as the, as arguably the best, most versatile broadcaster in the country, but how he treats everybody being around him for two hours at an awards banquet. That, that was the biggest takeaway for me. And it'll always stick with me for the rest of my life. Jim Nance, absolute legend. And I like that anecdote, um, Evan, and especially just kind of, um, just looking in at Virginia Tech and how far communications in the sports media and analytics program has come and 3304 sports as well. No, no. You're, up, you're up there in Syracuse. It's the battle of the, uh, the battle, the better uh, SMA programs, right? You know, we got Giovanni heater who decided to chose up, tech over Newhouse. <laughs> big pick deal. Up, pick up the, uh, the Virginia tech hat on signing day over Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing a great job. And, that's just pretty cool. Um, now, 
have a couple of quick questions for you and then we can jump into the, the merry-go-round. Um, Evan Hughes. So, you know, you, David Cunningham, just two guys who, you know, come to the top of our mind as guys who went through 3304 sports and this program and are already making an impact in the Virginia Tech community, you know, among several others as well. But who's next? Who do you think is uh, is coming up the ranks as far as, you know, guys who are going to make a splash? Well, there, there, are, there are so many here. And I think when people think sports media analytics, they think of Bill and they think of play-by-play broadcasters. But what I want Hokie Nation to know listening to this podcast about our program is that there are a lot of talented people who do much more than just play-by-play broadcasting. You know, 3304 Sports, our multimedia online home platform um, for students at Virginia Tech, not only do you get to broadcast games, we have an entire writing side. Uh, Our co-editors-in-chiefs, Chris Hirons and Jackson, did like two incredibly talented writers. We have beat writers for every sport at Virginia Tech, from tennis all the way up to football, where they have their own Twitter accounts, They are covering the team day by day, writing articles. I think there was some number, like we produced 150 articles last semester for all sports. So there are a ton of writers that are up and coming. And then the opportunities that we have at Tech through the ACC network, where, you know, when you're watching, let's say Virginia Tech is playing Liberty in softball on a Tuesday and Pat and Grayson are in Charlotte and LA respectively, and they're going to throw it on. ESPN.com or their smart TV, when you watch that, there's about 20 to 25 people that are making that broadcast happen. Not just the the play-by-play person and the analyst. You've got a producer. You've got a director. You've got audio. You've got uh, just uh, camera operators. There are so many people behind the scenes who are getting real-world experience as students right now that are going to be able to work for ESPN Fox Sports, NBC Sports, right away in the production trucks behind the scenes. So to answer your question, Pat, I mean, there there, there might be a lot of – there already are a lot of people. Like, for instance, we had uh, uh, someone I graduated with today. This is actually really big news, and I want to make sure I, I read this correctly. One of my good friends, Daryl, um, was actually today announced as the University of Houston football director of creative video. He graduated with me last year. He worked for the Falcons for a year out of college, and now he is the top person for a really good uh, uh, Daryl Grant. I mean, director of creative videos, 23 years old. So there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are making moves too, and it's great to share all of our, from play-by-play to writing to graphics to photo, um, to all of that under one big umbrella of sports media and analytics and people going out in the field and just crushing it right now. Absolutely incredible and really speaks to how well Bill Roth has helped that program develop, you know? I mean, just, you you described him as your hero and myself and Grayson can definitely resonate with that, you know, growing up lifelong Hokies and hearing Bill Roth's calls uh, in his 27-year career, but um, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff for you to reflect on that, and uh, just knowing that there's so many guys doing, guys and gals doing so many great things across the world of sports. Um, all right, two more questions for you, Ev. Your favorite broadcasters to listen to, um, to listen to, or even just their on-camera presence. Who are your top folks that you love to tune into? So I know it's easy, it's going to sound easy for me to say this, but I promise you if we did this interview two years ago, I would answer with Jim Nance. I absolutely love watching and listening to Jim. First of all, his versatility, right? Think about the stretch he has from January to May. At the very minimum, he's calling the AFC Championship game every year with once every three years calling the Super Bowl. Then he's calling the Masters. Then he's calling the NCAA tournament on CBS. He's got the best five-month stretch of any broadcaster in the world, I think. And his ability to be so good at his job, and everyone knows the iconic calls, but like Tony Romo is regarded as the best analyst in football, right? And Tony's fantastic, and I think he'd be good with just about any broadcaster. But Jim Nance deserves a ton of credit for his ability to take a quarterback with no broadcasting experience helped teach him how to be on the air 
And he, I use the analogy all the time. When you're a play-by-play broadcaster, you're working with the analyst, you're not the star of the show. The analyst is, right? Bill Raftery, Onion, send it in, Jerome. He's the star of the show, not the play-by-play guy. And Jim Nance does such a great job of just teeing the ball up on a tee and letting Romo come in with a three-wood and smack it 300 yards right down the fairway. And then he's able to go and work with Bill Raftery, right? And then he's able to go work with the golf team. So his, you've got to be able to, to have conversations on the air. No one to crack a joke. Be, his ability to be so good at creating those conversations, I just – I, I think it's amazing, and he knows how to capture the moment so well. For instance, my favorite sporting moment of my lifetime, Grayson, you might agree with this, was when Tiger won the Masters in 2019. I almost cried. Awesome. I mean, like a baby, right? I mean, Tiger wins it. And if you go back and watch, Jim, when, when Tiger makes the final putt, the ret- he says the return to glory, he doesn't talk for five minutes. It's just net sound. Tiger hugging his kids, walking through, and it's just Nats out. And that's what makes Jim so good. You don't have to talk. Like sometimes the best play-by-play guys just know how to capture the moment, whether it involves their voice or just the raw emotion on TV. So I absolutely love, love, um, love Jim. And I also am a huge fan of Sean McDonough. I think he is so good at college football. We're seeing him work hockey. Many don't know in the offseason, he's also one of the Boston Red Sox radio broadcasters. Any sport Sean McDonough does, I just love, love to tune in. And his voice inflection. Um, and then my other top, one of my other favorites is Ian Eagle uh, of CBS, right? He does Brooklyn Nets stuff. He does CBS work. But, you know, anytime I turn on the TV, though, the radio is a broadcaster always listening. I absolutely love, you know, being a sponge and trying to take a little bit from everybody on the air. But those are three guys. When I turn on the TV, I want to hear everything that they're saying and what can I try and take from them and use in my broadcasts. Follow up. And I love the, uh, the send it in Jerome reference more than anything. That's the send it in Jerome. Send it in Jerome. Um, okay. This might be controversial. Gus Johnson. Are, are you, where does Gus Johnson rank as far as the, um, you know, stacking him up against the other play-by-play guys? Well, as, as somebody, when I, when I call games, like, I think my Achilles heel sometimes is that I, I get too excited. And I'm somebody who's a very energetic, positive person. So, like, when I see a two-hand flush in transition, I'm like, man, that's awesome. And other people are like, yeah, I've seen a two-hand flush before. You, flush before. you don't need to get that excited. So, I appreciate – that Gus Johnson is strictly himself when he's on the air. He doesn't care about the way broadcasters are or how different he might be from others. He is Gus Johnson on the air, and he's having fun, and I appreciate that. Um, I, I, I seriously, I, I like I like Gus Johnson. I know as broadcasters, you know you're you're taught to be a certain way, but I, I again, I just really appreciate that he has a style. It works for him. I mean, he does the top Fox sports games in college football, some of the iconic college basketball calls too. When he did games for CBS uh, with his voice, you know, when I'm watching a game, I want my announcer to be fired up, right? Whether I'm cheering, whether I'm partial, or if I'm watching a 14 seed beat a three seed in the NCAA tournament and the 14 seed hits, hits a buzzer beater, the announcer should match that intensity. And I think he does that. And you, nobody can deny on this planet that Gus Johnson doesn't love his job and gets into it. We got to tell that to Billy Ray because, you know, Billy Ray loves unapologetically being himself. I think Gus Johnson would say the same thing. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had several uh, Gus Johnson debates. I've always loved Gus Johnson on the basketball call. Football, a little different, but uh, appreciate the, uh, the on- honest answer there, Evan. And then the last question, your favorite call so far in your career at Virginia Tech? It's a great question, and I feel like it changes often. You know, last year was a, was a memorable year for Virginia Tech baseball, and I'm excited. I really hope Hokie Nation continues to show out like they did at English Field last year with the dugout degenerates and some of those crowds. I had the pleasure of being on the call for the first ever series win 
against North Carolina last year in early March. It's a big deal. North Carolina is a powerhouse in college baseball. And that was really exciting to have the, and that was kind of the return for fans, right? Like English field opened up with a thousand fans and tech fans were just dying to get back to a sporting event. And it all started with that North Carolina series and, and tech won. And so that, that will forever be one of my just favorite moments to be a part of from a broadcast standpoint, and then I think I think women's basketball. You know, I, I know there's the um, recency bias. You know, you walk out of a movie and you think it's the greatest movie ever. But I'm going to look back on this women's basketball season, and I think that beating Georgia Tech last Thursday, who's ranked number 11 in the country, uh, that was a thriller. Um, and that's one that'll always kind of stick with me because that was that, that was a big time, big time win. So let's do this, Evan. We're gonna Hello. we're gonna. What about <laughs> the love? The love? Oh, you know what? It's just, it's it's tough when you ask that because there's so many things that come to mind. That that is one of my favorite moments. I guess I was thinking more about. Yes, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, that is one of my favorite moments, and I'll quickly share. So I, for basketball games, we have the pleasure of calling those with Mac McCarthy, and for those that don't know, the great Mac McCarthy. Virginia Tech, former coach in the 70s, Virginia Tech alum. Then he went to Auburn, was an assistant when Charles Barkley was there. Then went to Tennessee Chattanooga, took them to, I want to say, like six or seven NCAA tournaments, multiple Sweet 16s, got really close with T.O., so close that he inducted, he was the presenter for T.O. into the Pro Football Hall of Fame then head coach at VCU, then to ECU. So Mac is a coaching legend. Like before that Radford game, Teddy Valentine came up and gave him the biggest hugs. He knows all the officials. He knows all the coaches, and he's a ton of fun to work with. So anyways, that's the Radford game of this year on TV, and I had the pleasure of working it with him. And, you know, Storm's trapped at midcourt, and I didn't see I didn't see how he split the double team, if you remember. Like I'm – I don't have the best vantage point of it, but I, I see that he somehow, like Houdini, got out of that double team and he threw the lob. And so I, I make the call, and it's those moments. Like, you don't want to blow it. You want to have the right temperature for the call. And I don't even really remember what I said or what I did, but all, I do remember I just look at Mac when I did it, and he's staring just deep into my soul. I'm like, what's he? What's, why is he staring at me? And we get to break. And he's like, did you realize that you stood up? And I was like, I stood? He goes, Evan, you're, you were out of your chair with a fist bump when you did that. And I, I have no recollection of it. And it, I promise it wasn't me even cheering for Tech. I just think that I got, I must have gotten caught up in the moment and wanted to nail the call. But he he cracks jokes with me all the time and our our – our director, Eric Fry, tweeted afterwards that I almost broke a monitor because I just – I don't know. Like sometimes when you're an announcer, you get so lost in the moment and it's like you forget about everything that's going on in the world. So anyways, I'm glad you brought that up. Number one play on SportsCenter. That was that was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Just like – just to hear that. That's so cool. Uh, but let's let's do this, Ab. We're going we're gonna to go into this kind of round-robin – uh, Hokie sports, just kind of ask you your thoughts on um, just spring sports, winter sports, uh, what's been going on. And we'll start, ironically enough, with men's basketball. So, you know, just kind of want to get your thoughts on this season, man. From a zoomed out broad spectrum, like Pat always likes to say, how would you describe the performance from the Virginia Tech men's basketball team uh, in the winter months, January and February? The words gutsy resilient and exciting to watch at least over the last month or so come to mind. You know, I I think that this is a team that's just so incredibly talented, right? And they return a lot of great production from last year, but you know, there's a lot of ebbs and flows in a season, right? And for tech to go on that start in ACC play, lose the Miami game, like they did at the buzzer and to now find themselves in a position where they've won six in a row, their biggest win streak in ACC history as a program. And I mean, that, that takes resilience. I mean, you know, your back's kind of against the wall and 
the the composure, the calmness of Coach Young. You go back and watch those press conferences when they were losing those close games. You could hear the confidence in his voice, basically saying, paraphrasing, I know the team that I have. And even though he never said it, I mean, you you almost, if you go back and watch it, he he knew that this team was going just too talented to turn it around. So I, I think about leadership and resilience. And, and, and one of my favorite sayings is, in the face of adversity, how are you going to respond? And Tech has responded by standing up, getting back on the horse, and they've now won six straight, and they're putting themselves in a position to make the NCAA tournament. They've been so fun to watch, especially the development, I think, of some of the younger players that are playing a pivotal role at this point in the season right now. And who are some of your favorite players you're watching right now? You know, what do you, who, who excites you the most when they're on the court? So I love Justin Mutz, right? I, I don't know him super well, but I see him over at Han every now and then. Very friendly. And I actually think it was the Radford game that I called, and it, it didn't dawn on me until afterwards where he started doing the let's go at the big – I mean, think about that. You're in the – you are in the heat of battle, and you have the wherewithal to start the let's go Hokies chance and get the crowd into it. He's a remarkable story, right? I think he's working on his fourth degree. I want to say he's got his – I know he's got his undergrad. He's got two master's degrees. He is just such a fun player to watch, and especially the Syracuse game recently. You know, he was basically running the offense, at least I thought, through the free throw line, right, and trying to exploit that 2-3 zone. And, of course, he gets that triple-double, but I mean, he can do it all, right? He can step out and shoot. He is a great facilitator for somebody his size. I think he's just the perfect fit in Mike Young's offense, and I think he's a great complement down low uh, to Keve Aluma. And then I'll also say I really like the duo of Sean Padula and, and Storm Murphy, right? Like Sean's kind of joined at the hip with Storm, and you can totally see how Storm – I'm not going to say he's taking him under his wing. I think they're really close friends. And obviously I think they complement each other well in their strengths on the court. But, I mean, last Thursday we're playing number 11 Georgia Tech in women's basketball, and there's Mutz, Padula, and Murphy literally front row in the castle guard – with about a hundred students and you know, they've got their fun TikTok dances. I, I just really enjoyed that dynamic. And by the way, I mean, a ton of credit to storm Murphy. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but this six game win streak that techs on storm Murphy deserves a lot of credit, especially for how well he has scored the basketball down the stretch. So uh, those, those are some of my play uh, favorite uh, players I've enjoyed watching and the development of, Hunter Couture, I'll say as well, right? We know that he can draw charges, but you think about last year, how he had to kind of handle the ball, right? In a backup point guard role. I think that Hunter Couture's really found his role on this team and it's a valuable one. Like you, you could make arguments that Hunter Couture is one of the most valuable players on the team. Coach Brooks use a, uses an analogy about Caleb King. Um, and he calls her his security blanket on the floor, right? Like she's a great, Best defender, um, great three-point shooter. And I think you could make the argument that Hunter Couture is Mike Young's safety blanket on the floor. <laughs> I, I think that's fair, man. I uh, I, I love it. Um, so with UNC coming to Castle Coliseum on Saturday, huge matchup, huge deal. What's the energy like on campus right now, especially over, after that huge win over UVA? Uh, what are the what are the Evan Hughes keys to Saturday's game? Well, first of all, I mean the the, the energy is palpable right now on campus, and I think the, the headline of that right is the is the UVA win. But I mean, you got, I think you guys saw the graphic that Tech put out yesterday, and I, we kind of alluded to it at the start of the podcast. Everybody is winning and winning at home right now. Wrestling, women's basketball, men's basketball, softball—it's like it's all translating. And it just keeps building, and it it built on Sunday for Tech's win against the top 25 North Carolina team and women's. Then that carried over to the men. So everybody is just, I think, really – I mean, when you're winning, sports, it's a lot of fun, right? I mean, not to be captain obvious here, but it is. And I think that with both the men's and the women's playing, I mean, we're seeing some of the best castle guards I have ever seen. Like, 
I have just been blown away. And I promise this isn't me saying it at how good the crowds have been. And for like for Dan Schulman to say this is the loudest place that he's been all year. Remember last year, the athletic ran a, ran an article about what's the most underrated place to play. They pulled ACC men's basketball players anonymously. And like castle was the runaway favorite. Remember Roy Williams told Mike young when he took this job, like, Hey, Castle Coliseum is underrated. And I, again, I think that it has just been remarkable to see how I think fans and students, you think back to 2000 to 2010, it was all about Lane Stadium, right? And it still is. But now you've got Lane Stadium, the North End Zone, and you've got the Castle Guard. And I, I am just a firm believer that it makes a huge difference in the games. So energy off the charts right now. And then I think keys to Saturday, Grayson, I think the biggest thing is how are you going to match up against Armando Baycott? Uh, by the way, someone from the Richmond area, I remember when he was going, uh, growing up through, we went through high school around the same age. But, you know, here's a guy who can go out and get 10 to 15 offensive rebounds on his own. And I think if Tech can match them on the boards, limit second chance opportunities. And then honestly, just continue to play with the same confidence that they are right now. I think this is a win. I don't. I don't think there's a game on this schedule that Tech cannot win the way they're playing right now. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, man. I remember when he was in the 804. Baycott's a freak. He's a hell of a basketball player. Uh, he's kind of in Kevin Alumas' kryptonite. Uh, so it's all about containing Baycott. I, and I think if we can do that, I'm I'm with you, man. I think we can get the dub. They just lost to Pitt. Uh, about 10 minutes ago, Pittsburgh just beat Carolina 76 to 67. There you go. And, uh, and Pittsburgh is not a good basketball team. We know yeah. that's a fact. Jeez. So that is interesting. And that, that interesting. game was played at Car- Pittsburgh just went to Carolina and beat them um, at Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, that's yeah. Dang. That, that the <laughs> that's a big win. Watch, watch that film. Watch that film. Hokies. We'll move on, man. We'll talk about uh, the creme de la creme, women's basketball. This is your first season calling play-by-play for Virginia Tech women's basketball, and the team is crushing it this year, man. How's it been going? What's the ride been like in year one? Are you enjoying it? How how is Evan Hughes, dude? I I can't believe I get paid to do this. Like (laughs) It is so much fun. I absolutely love my job. I feel so, so blessed to be working with women's basketball and baseball, which we'll talk about a little bit later. It's such a fun group. It's such a just down-to-earth, extremely nice group. I don't know how to explain it without saying a bunch of cliches, but you got to trust me here that this – I have never been part of a team – that feels so much like a family. And I, I, you could say that about every team, oh, we're a family, we're so close. But the, the job that Coach Brooks does, making everybody feel like you're a part of something special. I, I could sit here for the next 40 minutes to an hour talking about how great of a man Kenny Brooks is and how lucky we are to have him in Blacksburg as the head coach of the Hokies. But it starts with him, his assistant's, Everybody on this team, it's such an unselfish group that just wants to win. Nobody cares about who's scoring the basketball. Everybody collectively wants to win. And to be 11-3 and in the ACC as we record on this Wednesday night, it's, uh, you know, tied for the most wins in program history in the ACC. On Sunday, Asia Shepard became the all-time leader in three-pointers in Atlantic Coast Conference history. I, it's it, there's just so there's so many stories. It's such a fun team to watch. They're such an easy team to root for, and I think that this team has every chance to go down as the best team in program history. Now, Coach Brooks has done a tremendous job, and you've spent a lot of time with him um, over the past year. What impresses you most about Coach Brooks and his leadership on this year's uh, this year's team? Well, I, I think with Coach, it's it's his ability to relate to his players. He's a he's a player's coach, right? Because he was a fantastic player 
at James Madison under Lefty Drizel, who is a fantastic basketball coach. And um, he does such a great job, I think, of, of sharing his playing experience with his team. I also think another thing about Coach Brooks is he understands Blacksburg and Virginia Tech so well. And when they go on the recruiting trail, I mean, they know who perfectly not only fits their system and what they want to do on the court, but off the court, which I think is extremely impressive. Um, you know, again, his ability to make everybody feel like a family. And I think that really helps when he's got Kendall, who just graduated, Chloe, who's on the team, right? He's got daughters who are the same age as the players, and the players are friends with his daughters too, right? So they're, you know, he sees them a lot both on and off the court. Another thing about Coach, I think his philosophy that impresses me so much, and we talk a lot about it on his radio show, is that when he got to Tech, he said that he wanted to recruit really high IQ basketball players. And it's great to go out and get great athletes, and there's nothing against that. But this team is, he said, it's the smartest team that he's ever coached, right? Like the best GPA in team history in the fall. Liz Kitley, I believe, has a 4-0, if not a 4-0, and is trying to become a doctor. Kayla King is trying to become a doctor and has over a 3-9 GPA. Coach talks about how when they put together scouting reports, they have to use correct grammar and punctuation because the team will call them out like, hey, you missed a comma there. Pick and roll, comma. Like It's just such a bright basketball team that is so good at understanding a scout um, and executing that scout. So it's it's such a smart team that he has constructed. But there, there's, you know, just being around a program every day, Pat and Grayson, you see what goes into it every day. Like their their want to this team, uh, how coach is constantly watching film. Like he has to go through the most recent game three, four, five times because every player goes in and has scout with um, watches film with the coach of the last game. And they want to learn. They're eager to learn. They love being Hokies. So I, again, I'm, I'm just incredibly impressed at the culture that he has been able to build here because it is just so fun uh, to be a part of it. And, and that's all the stuff off the court. We can talk about a lot of stuff on the court. I mean, this tech team, I think they've got the ACC player of the year in Liz Kitley. Asia Shepard's going to go down, in my opinion, as the best player in program history. And again, this is all his recruiting, his vision for tech that is now coming to fruition right now. So we'll move into uh, wrestling. Coach Roby and the Virginia Tech wrestling team currently hold a record of eight and three as they head into Friday's Commonwealth Clash. They're headed to Charlottesville. Currently, Virginia Tech, we own the Smithfield Commonwealth Clash 7-2. to two. Let's go, LGH. How are you feeling about Friday? And is there anyone in particular that Hokie Nation should look out for on the wrestling team? Who is on the Roby 316 watch list? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really fun squad, and I think they're really hungry. Um, this, I mean, Virginia Tech's had a lot of success against Virginia over the years in the Commonwealth clash. And I think for tech, what's going to be important is just to, you know, continue to do what they've been doing. I mean, since, you know, what happened with NC state about a month ago, they've been fantastic. I mean, they nearly shut out Duke. They beat them 42, three, they beat ranked teams in Pittsburgh and North Carolina. I don't know if there's necessarily a, you know, a marquee uh, weight class that jumps out to me. I mean, you know, UVA typically has some pretty good 97 and heavyweight wrestlers, but I mean, this is a tech lineup that I think is peaking at the right time right now. Like Sam Latona has, you know, an All-American from last year as a freshman, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he is starting to wrestle uh, really well at 25. You've got somebody who I think is capable of winning a national championship at 133 and Corbin Myers. There's just a lot of balance in their lineup from top to bottom. So, you know, I, I really like Virginia Tech's chances against Virginia on Friday. And then – You've got the rescheduled duel. I see Pat Finn fired up against NC State, and it's going to count as a non-conference duel uh, based off of the unfortunate forfeit that happened a month ago. But you still get to wrestle, and bragging rights are absolutely going to be on the line. So big weekend ahead for Tech Wrestling 
Um, and I, I can't wait to watch them. It's another program. You know, it starts with Coach Roby and the job that he's done. And Jared Freyer, right? I mean, he's a former Olympian, our associate head coach. And Tucker Davidson, their ops. And Jared Haught. And, you know, there's just a lot of great people over there in wrestling. But big weekend ahead. And I think they've got a lot of wrestlers that can make a lot of noise, uh, noise at the NCAA championships coming up. Shout out Ethan Aguigui as well. Yes. I'm sorry. I left him at the GOAT. <laughs> top 10. Top 10 matchup. Um, you know, we're currently ranked number eight. Actually, sorry. We're number seven now. Um, and NC State is also in the top. Are they in the top five or the top 10? I believe they're top number, five. Number four. Way, number four in the country, NC State. What? So that is, again, so the Tech's going to wrestle Friday and then Sunday, uh, both on the road. I tell you what. I cannot wait for 125 NC State, uh, Jacob Camacho, and then Sam Latona for Tech. Rematch. So remember last year, right? I mean, this is the craziest sporting event I have ever been to. And I wasn't on the call for it, but I was great. I was lucky enough to get in because there were only 250 fans in last year. Sam Latona, I'm trying to put it into terms for those that don't know wrestling, had a last-second takedown and two near-fall points to win a regular season championship for tech, the ACC dual meet championship, it would be like winning the ACC regular season title on a full court buzzer beater against a top five team in the country at castle. Like that's the equivalency of what happened last year. And then Latona got the best of Camacho again in the ACC championships. So this is the first time they've wrestled since last year. It is going to be must watch television on the ACC network. And that's going to be at 6 p.m. on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, February 20th, on the ACC Network. Hopefully, we got Rock Harrison on the call. We do. Yep, Rock Harrison. There we go. Love to see it. Wrestling content, by the way. We're going to do a wrestling podcast uh, with our resident wrestling expert, Austin Gable, here over the next few weeks. So, wrestling fans, stay tuned for that. All right, let's roll into softball. Evan Hughes. I got two words for you. Keely Rochard, two more words, is back. Four <laughs> words for you. Keely Rochard is back. Now, we got, we got a team that's coming back that went 37-15 and 15 last year and 23-11 and 11 in conference. Um, they were so fun to watch last spring. They were so fun to watch, and we, we actually watched – the Super Regionals at OBX, if you guys remember, uh, Memorial Weekend when we were all together, the Sons and Daughters. Mulligans. We watched yeah, the Mulligans. Mulligans. Game yeah. one, dude. That's Mulligan. right. Yeah. And the waiter. waiter's still a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really, really, really fun team to watch. And you think about the job that Pete DeMore has done, right? 2018, he took over a team that was 23-31, and 31, I believe was the last team to qualify at the ACC tournament. And as a team, again, I don't have, I used to have these numbers memorized, and, but I want to say as a team, they collectively hit 220 as a team, right? So almost 10 games under 500. His first year in Blacksburg, he won 47 games, ACC coastal champs, regular season champs, and made it to a regional final against Kentucky. And with basically the same roster, then COVID happens. And then last year, Tech wins a regional and was one game away in LA from going to the Women's College World Series. Pete DeMore has done an unbelievable job with this program. And right now the Hokies are ranked eighth in the country. That is tied for the highest ever ranking in the poll in program history, which is amazing that the second week of the season, that's where they are. They're coming off the weekend, guys. They went down to Florida. They played five Power 5 schools. They beat number 24 Northwestern, number 19 Kentucky, number 11 Missouri. Sometimes you start off early and you're playing some some mid-majors to try to get going, and then this weekend they're playing number two Alabama twice in Montana Fouts. So the, the fact that the team was able to go down there, Keely Rochard, unbelievable, 34 strikeouts to four walks on the weekend. And then Emma Lemley, Tech fans get to know this name. Emma Lemley, true freshman, 
Keely Rochard, I interviewed her on the Hokie Sports Insider podcast a couple of weeks ago. She thinks she can be a four-time All-American. This, this is the most depth in the circle that Tech has ever had, in my opinion. Not just Keeley and Emma Lemley. You've got Mac Osborne, who's much improved from a freshman last year, and then Ivy Rosenberry. I think that this is going to be a special group. That's just the pitching side. They've got the bats. I cannot wait to watch them play Alabama this weekend because Alabama, one of the best teams in the country. Tech's one of the best teams in the country. We're lucky that we get to see it in February. And I think it's worth noting, Evan, I mean, we didn't just beat those five teams. I mean, we kind of smacked them, smacked them around, beat Michigan State 5-1, to one, and then we beat Kentucky 6-1. to one. And then, you know, big win, like you said, over Missouri, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. You know, you came on here prior to us starting to record this podcast, and you said, I think that Virginia Tech softball can win a national championship. Why do you think that? I, mean, I, I do. I think that this team has the makeup to do that. And I don't want to put any pressure or anything. I mean, I, I just, I really believe in that team and the job that Pete DeMore's done. I mean, there's so much experience with, you know, Keeley who came back, who said that she wouldn't have come back for one more year of college if it weren't for Pete DeMore, right. And his staff. And you look at somebody like a Mac Lauder, who's been Keeley Rochard's good friend and catcher since travel ball in high school, She's a senior. You've got Jamie Bailey, who has three years of AC experience at first base. You've got Kelsey Bennett. You've got Kelsey Brown. A Darby Trull in center field is the most underrated center fielder in the ACC. I mean, there are so many players to, to – I mean, Meredith Slaw had a pinch hit grand slam against Kentucky on Sunday. Pinch hit off the bench. I mean, there's just – there's so many options. And, again, I don't want to put that, that pressure on them, but I think that this team – has the makeup to make a really, really deep run. They learned a lot from the Super Regional last year and being a game away. They want to get to Oklahoma City. They want to play in the Women's College World Series. And think about one once you get there, it's anybody's game. You'd be glad to know, Ev, if you go back and you listen. Uh, we just had Grace uh, Chavez and Jamie Bailey onto the podcast. I sat down and interviewed them. They tune out the noise, man. They say it doesn't get to them. The pressure, the heat, no. it, do, it doesn't phase them at all, which is great news. Uh, we talked about that Bud Foster tweet. He, like you, thinks they can uh, take it take it all away, man. So we'll see. We're really, really fired up about uh, Virginia Tech but, softball. Know, and and that, that's the mentality, if I can add real quick, that Pete Demore's brought. Absolutely. You know, that they, they a lot in softball, there's a lot of cheering, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a lot of crowding the plate for home runs in softball. You know, since Coach Demore got here, he said no, and he said the reason why we're not going to do that is because we want to act like we've been here before, and it's business. We hit a home run, we stop on the plate, we get a high five to the person on deck. That's our business. So it doesn't surprise me when they say the noise doesn't get to them. They are a fierce group of competitors. They just want to win. It's as simple as that, and I think that goes to the mentality that Pete DeMore has brought since he's taken over this program. So we'll take it from one diamond to the other. Baseball time. It's about that time. College baseball is back. Um, looking back on the campaign last year, finishing 27 and 25 and a 16 and 20 clip in conference. Um, you know, a stark improvement from the previous years for Coach Chef. Coach Chef is back. And, you know, it was a strong start last year. The home run hammer, the hammer and Hokies. And like you were talking about earlier, just people getting fired up to be able to go to games again. And the crowds that English Field uh, was drawing was really incredible. But looking at this next campaign here for 2022, what do you think is kind of the, the top thing or the top few things that must improve from last year's team to be able to compete in the ACC this season? Well, I, I first of all, I think last year was a success for Tech Baseball. And there was, I think, an element of disappointment that, you know, on April 1st, you were the leader in the Coastal and you didn't get to a regional, right? So that taste is still in everybody's mouth. And I think it's fueled this team in the offseason going into this year. I think last year down the stretch, there were a lot of young players that early on – were really good at the plate. And then, you know, you see the difference between high school to college ball, right? Where high school, you're not playing 50 to 60 games a year, right? And you're getting used to seeing pitchers, not just for the first time again, and there's more film on them. So I think it was 
I honestly think like one of the things that's going to change from last year, this year is that a guy like a Tanner Schobel, who was a stud last year as a freshman has been through the grind of a full college baseball season. So I think that's something that's really important. And I think that this team tasted success, right? Like they went on the road to Miami, won their first ever series at Miami. They won their first ever series at home against Miami. They were so close to taking a series against Virginia. So you've got, things to build upon, you've tasted some success, and you've tasted a little bit of being so close to getting to a regional when you haven't been to one since 2013. But Tech Baseball, you got to start with Gavin Cross, guys. Gavin Cross, uh, right now, someone was telling me today, I don't know what what affiliate put this out, but was projected to go as high as number eight in the first round of the MLB draft. He has a chance to be the highest-picked player in tech history and the MLB draft. And, you know, of course he could come back, but you know, he's getting a lot of attention right now. And you think about tech baseball guys, the, the stats go back to the 1800s, like the late 1890s of tech baseball just goes to show how special he is. He's moved over from right field to center field. He's got a terrific bat. I know they're really excited to see him uh, in center. He's got a great arm. He's very rangy. And I think that that's going to be a great move um, to see. I mentioned you've got Tanner Schobel back at shortstop. Nick Bittison is a guy that a lot of Tech fans will recognize multiple years. He's Mr. Utility. He's going to get some looks at first base early this year. I'm really excited about the offense on this team. If you like the sledgehammer, this could be the year for you because there's a lot of power in this lineup. And with English Field and the wind blowing out towards center, if it catches the crosswind, watch out. Because hammer time, it's going to make a quick return to Blacksburg this year. But I think this is going to be, uh, seriously, a really fun team. Their mantra's building in Blacksburg. And I think Coach Chef and his staff have done a great job of year by year taking steps of of building the foundation. And uh, this year they want to make a run at a regional. And I think they've got the makeup to do it. With that being said, man, I, uh, I, you, were you, you were the one telling me before we press record there might be a baseball game, spring game weekend. Is that believe, a fact? Yes, I believe, I believe it's a Thursday through Saturday series, typically Friday through Sunday, but Easter Sunday being on Sunday. So I believe it's Thursday through Sunday. Matter of fact, I can pull it up on my schedule right here. But Grayson, if you want to talk about it, it's going to be a great weekend. The, the reason I ask, man, is that my biggest crime as a Hokie is I've never been to a Virginia Tech baseball game at English Field. And so I got to get to one. And if I can do that while I'm in town for the spring game, I'd love to go see some hammer time action with, yeah. the, with the dugout degenerates. Love to be in the pit screaming my head off with those guys. That would be a lot of fun. So, so that so. weekend, they're playing Miami, which, by the way, is oh, really let's go in the coastal. So you've got Miami in town. You've got softball on that spring day football game playing Virginia. Yep. I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure you're going to have the 3.2 for the 32 run. And the spring. It's all happening, man. I, I just want to say happening. that might be one of the best days. There's just a ton going on. And then the Brett Pry debut at home. Uh, there, there's just going to be so much going on in the spring game. I can't wait. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, let's move into letters from the lunch pail. We only have one letter from the lunch pail today. It is from Andrew Shoemate. He asks, who is your favorite VT wrestler to watch not named Bryce Andonian? Oh, that's tough because Bryce Andonian, oh, my God, he is just – he is electric. And he is just so – so like you could make the argument Bryce Andonian is the most fun wrestler to watch in the country, period. He's that fun. So tough one, Andrew. Um, Actually, not tough because there's a lot of exciting wrestlers. I'm going to go with uh, Dakota Howard at 197. Guys, he's got the nickname of Junkyard Dog. And Ethan does such a great job hyping it up on uh, Hokies Wrestling Twitter. But this is a guy, Dakota Howard, that came in at 197. Last year, for the betterment of the team, told Coach Roby he'd be willing to not only cut one weight class, which is a big ask, he was willing to go from 197 to 174 down two weight classes last year. And think about it, wrestling, you've got to make weight every duel. I mean, that, that is really tough, ask. And then this year, he comes back to 197. He's one of those guys that's tough to explain because I think he gets better as, as the uh, match goes along. Like, typically, you'd think 
you have more energy in the first period than the third, but he just grinds it out. He's from Cleveland. He kind of has, I mean, that junkyard dog mentality. And he is so fun to watch. Absolutely love getting to call uh, Dakota Howard matches and seeing him jump in the student section after he won this past week against UNC was awesome. So that's tough. I mean, like, I love watching Makai Lewis. I remember the first time I ever watched him on the mat, it was a scrimmage and he was a freshman. And at the time, I really didn't know a ton about wrestling. But you, you know, when you just, if you watch a sport, regardless of like, soccer right if you see someone just grace i know you don't know a ton about soccer not to pit, but you see a guy just sprint down the pitch you know that guy's special right like and i just i knew right away when i saw mckay like that guy is going to be special and um so anyway you can go a lot of directions but i'm going with the jyd junkyard dog it's cool man i uh, i actually met dakota at tots my little brother introduced me to uh dakota and uh, he, he said, dude, you got to see this this guy wrestle like he's he's just a beast. Like he's an animal. So I got I got to tune in, get hit. He's uh, he's the man. He's a really, really cool dude. I had class with him two years ago. We didn't know each other, but every class. And I think I told him this. He would just come in with the milk jug filled with water <laughs> and he'd be you know, just sitting back, just, you know, taking the cap off and chugging the water. He's just he's he's so intense, but in a good way. And, um, you know, I've gotten to interview some great athletes this year, but Dakota might be my favorite. I mean, he, he was just, he, he is everything you want a Hokie to be. Like, it's funny. I think there's a lot of comparisons between the city of Cleveland, right? Blue collar, bring your lunch. Like there's a lot of similarities between Cleveland and Blacksburg and Virginia tech and Dakota Howard embodies what it means to be a Hokie. He's got a great like uh, wrestling composite picture too, year after year. <laughs> Evan's doing it, doing the uh, the pose. Uh, that's fantastic. So Evan, this has been a ton of fun. We appreciate you coming on. The wealth of knowledge, the encyclopedia of Virginia Tech sports, Evan K. Hughes. We want to give you this opportunity for some Sharky shoutouts. We know you love Sharkies. We all love Sharkies. Uh, but anything you want to plug, anything you got going on or, you know, anything that you want to say um, to Hokie Nation, um, you know, anything relevant. This is your opportunity. You have the mic. Well, I appreciate it. I want to start by going back to women's basketball. And I just I want to make sure it's a, it's abundantly clear to Tech fans how special this team is. You know, they've got a chance to be a top four seed at the ACC tournament, a double bye. I think they have a chance at the way they're playing right now to win an ACC championship. Guys, if they finish as a four seed in the NCAA tournament, they host the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament in Blacksburg. And that would be incredible. I mean, can you imagine, guys, NCAA tournament in Blacksburg? I know if you guys were local, g Wim, you'd be there, right, if you were in Blacksburg? There's a bear crap in the woods, Evan Hughes. What are we even talking about? I mean, so I just I, I want I want to shout out again women's basketball, and I hope that tech fans will continue to come out in support because they're they make an impact and that team appreciates it more than you know. So, you know, it's a great time for tech basketball, right? Not just men's basketball, men's and women's basketball collectively winning right now. So shout out to them. Shout out to Liz Kitley, who I think should be ACC Player of the Year. Shout out to Georgia Amor, who was number one on SportsCenter last week and put a defender on absolute skates and then drained a three. I think you guys saw that video. Um, but but shout out to Tech Women's Basketball and just for being such an awesome group to work with. Guys, I, I thought about this a little bit. I was like, God, who am I going to shout out? Because I was caught off guard when I came on with Grayson two years ago. Um, I'm going to start, I want to shout out sports information directors at tech, the people behind the scenes that don't get a lot of love that should, uh, that starts with, I mean, gosh, I mean, it starts with Pete Morris, but Brian Cox, Bree Williams, Mike Scovan, Will Copeland, Carter Brown. Uh, I know I'm, I'm leaving some out, but the, the people who run the Twitter accounts, gosh, there's a ton of work that goes into that more than just tweeting. And so shout out to our SIDs and our creative team. Jamal Simmons, Sebastian, George Flate. I mean, there's a, a Jordan Long. I mean, those hype videos we put out that nope, nobody beats our hype videos. I mean, so shout out to those guys. Um, 
On a personal level, shout out Jerry Shanae. We talked about him beginning of the pod. My dad, Kelly Hughes, Pat Finn's dad, uh, Kevin Finn, soccer teammates in the 80s, the all-time winningest soccer and wrestling coach. Shout out Jerry Shanae. Guys, at one point, think about this. He coached soccer in the fall, wrestling in the winter, and men's golf in the spring. Like, how sick is that? I mean, so shout out Jerry Shanae. He is the best. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. <laughs> and he still works at Tech. He's the man. Uh, shout out Gaten, Gaten Baptist Church, where I first met Grayson Wimbish, my main man. We have Let's been go. great my friends dog. almost a decade now, which is crazy. Uh, and your entire family. And I was thinking about, gosh, how cool is this that we're still as close as we are, you know, 10 years later. Uh, shout out RVA 804 and um, and shout out Hokie Nation. Like you're not just how fun it is to be a Hokie like right now. And just again, I keep using the word it's palpable, like going into Castle and winning. It's fun and getting to know fans this year. Like in my role, it's it's such a pleasure and a treat to get to know our fans one on one and create those relationships. Shout out to you all. I mean. I can see why you guys want to do a podcast for Hokie Nation because they're they're the best. I promise that's not me saying it. It's not just the company line. Like you want to be around Hokies, you really do. So shout out to Hokie Nation and shout out to you three. Much love, and I can't wait for our next OBX trip. Ladies and gentlemen, Evan Hughes. Thank you, Evan, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in April at the spring game, brother. Can't wait, dude. Great. Thanks for what you guys do. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Go Okies. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, oh, I know it's what you're thinking. Take a hit.